This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. With the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. All right, Raider Nation, welcome to the post-game edition of Silver and Black today. The Raiders win. Yes, how does it feel? Well, we're going to hear from Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. He's going to give us the voice of the fan, of course, as we do every show. But the Raiders hold on 17-13. Yes, they don't score 20 points again. But you know what? A W's a W. So you got to start with that. And I know we're going to have some critical views. But first, we're going to start uh, by bringing in my man Murph. Uh, make sure you also follow him on X at underscore Murph, M-U-R-F. And of course, got to do it too for Raiders Fan Radio on YouTube. So make sure you do that as well. Okay, Murph, the, the three-game skid is over. The Raiders win at home. And uh, for very interesting, I mean, because of interesting reasons, which we'll get into in a second, the defense actually in this one, Robert Spillane, two interceptions, Max Crosby, two sacks, and Amik Robertson, a guy that we all like here as well, has been on the show a couple of times. Good kid, comes up big at the end with an interception in the end zone on a nice leap, and the Raiders win this one. Give me, give me your reaction. I know you and Jeff and Michelle are there. You were watching the game together. Kind of tell me what the conversation was like amongst Raider Nation and its fans. Uh, well, we're going to win the Super Bowl, Scott. I don't know if you heard that again <laughs> or not, but uh, you know we're. we're uh, you know, I tell you, this is an interesting game because there was so much to be critical about. So I don't want to lead any of my comments about this game uh, in terms of criticism, because look, like you said, a W is a W at the end of the day, it's all about putting more numbers in the left column than putting them in the right. So uh, I will always be excited uh, about, uh, about a Raider victory that said, like there were, there was some things there that, um, you know, I, I've said it, I, probably three or four times during the, during this game, as it was starting to close out, I'm like, eh, some Raider stuff is getting ready to happen. Where it felt like it was like, okay, momentum starting to turn around, even all the way down to that last play. I felt that like previous versions of this Raiders team, that ball, instead of staying slightly pinned on Amik Robertson's shoulder, uh, it slips through and, and or, 
you know, Watson <laughs> the ball away from his shoulder and comes down with a touchdown to win the game. It was like, those were like, that's like some Raiders stuff that used to happen to us all the time, but it didn't like those things didn't happen. And despite the lapses and despite the mistakes, they still fought, they still clawed to still, d- despite the fact that Max Crosby is like, I don't know, like 75% of our defense now, like we were still able to get it done. So, uh, you know, incredibly thankful uh, for the performance that the Raiders laid out. I mean, you know, uh, in, in front of a home crowd, you know, we, we saw some of the, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Some of the reactions from, you know, from the owner's booth and things like that tonight <laughs> but for the Raiders to kind of pull it out and, uh, you know, to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Like, I think that um, it was pretty impressive. And I will say this too. Like, I felt like this was a player's victory. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. 100% came down to those young men on the field, selling it out as, as best they possibly could uh, to bring this win home because a lot of my criticism over the past, you know, a few weeks now about Josh McDaniels and the, and the Raiders, you know, uh, coaching staff, mainly a little bit front office, those opinions did this win didn't sway any of that at all. So hundred percent give credit to these young men. And I hope that when McDaniels does his pressers uh, tonight, and when we go back and listen to it, that he diverts a lot of the credit. That's what a good leader does. You divert the credit, you take the blame, and take give it blame. to these young men because they battled their ass off to get this victory. You're absolutely right, and I think that's a great place to start, Murph, because there are times you can win in despite of things and how they're going, and 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 we'll get into that stuff later on, as I mentioned. But you're right. You, again, you look at the performances here, and, of course, Monday Night Football, the national broadcast focused on Max Crosby from the beginning, but it's easy to do when you see this guy and the fact that he just doesn't stop. He is so relentless in, in, in every play. If a, you have a kid or someone in your life, that's a young football player, show him Max Crosby. Cause this is a guy who gets it done. He's a fourth round. He wasn't a high draft pick. He wasn't a Tyree Wilson going seventh overall and getting 30 million bucks up front. No, he was a fourth rounder, had to prove it. Of course he got clean. We know his great story about sobriety, all that stuff. But I'm just in awe, Murph, every time I watch it, because you do. And I remember a lot of fans were upset because Richard Sherman had his podcast and he said, hey, Max Crosby deserves better than the Raiders. They, you know, be good for him to get out of there. I think this is what he meant. He, I don't know that he meant that. I know a lot of people think that he's got an anti-Raider bent, whatever. But the point is, he's so good. And I grew up in San Diego as a Padres fan, right? Tony Gwynn was on the Padres. They only He went to the World Series twice and the playoffs like four times in 21 years. So I get it. And that's why I turned to my wife and I said, it reminds me of Tony Gwynn right now because he just doesn't care. He just goes out and does his thing. And I'll tell you what, he set the stage because the defense was struggling a little bit. And he was going the whole time. And then he had a couple breakthroughs, the big tackle for a loss on the running back where he just just smothered him. He set the pace for that defense and everybody fed off it, Murph. Absolutely. You know, and you see players have uh, like, right, Bob Spillane, uh, young Mickey Spillane, like we like to call him, you know, <laughs> to have a breakout game, to be so opportune, uh, if that's a word, uh, with, with you know, his, his placement on the field and his ability to get his hands on the football, almost even had a third interception there. Like, when's the last time that happened, Rod Martin? Like, I mean, you know, it's been a long time since we had a linebacker come up with their hands on the football on a regular basis. And that's what this young man did tonight. And even if like, and listen, here in the fan cave and and, and me and my my two amazing co-hosts, a Raiders fan radio, Jeff and Michelle, we were um we were we were on Marcus Peters a lot tonight because there was a lot of plays oh, that yeah. I think that oh, yeah. um whether it's age or you know lingering issues still from his injuries or 
whatever it is. And I got a lot of respect for Marcus Peters as a player. So this is no, my comments are not an indictment of him and his career. And he's a, you know, he's an awesome, you know, Bay area, Oakland guy. And so like, I got nothing but love for Marcus Peters. That said, you know, the soft coverages he was playing tonight has, you know, he wasn't in position a lot, uh, you know, and a lot of times during the game and, you know, and, and I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's a player thing, but to this fan's eyes, it looks to me like, as father time is undefeated, you see a player, they start to lose a step. They start to play a little bit softer and it's, you know, we've seen that with the Raiders a lot. And I think we, we were even talking about it amongst the three of us, like as of recent history, the only, well, not, the, I will not say the only, but the one that's most memorable in terms of the Raiders bringing in like an aging free agent that still had a lot uh, in the tank was Charles Woodson. Like Charles Woodson was amazing no doubt. playing safety no doubt. for us when he came back to Oakland. And so, but outside of that, like there's not a glaring, ex a, a lot of glaring examples of Raiders bringing in players from James Jones to Jordy Nelson to Justin Tuck to you name it. Like, you know, there's been so many that have come in and they just weren't the same player they were. And so I feel like Marcus Peters is a lot of that, but all that said, so there you, I, I led with all this, the stupid criticism, <laughs> but then he freaking makes the play at the end of the game, which at is the, the whole game. reason yeah. that we brought him in yeah. was to create turnovers. And he did that. And so like, it's almost like a running back that like, you know, uh, you know, gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage three times, but then, the, then all of a sudden it's an 80 yard breakout touchdown run. A la Barry Sanders, right? It's like, those are the kind of like, if that's the kind of play we're going to have out of Marcus where it's going to be like, all right, he's going to struggle a little bit. He's going to struggle a little bit. And he's going to just freaking like create that turnover that we so desperately have needed. And the Raiders defense came up with those tonight. And all that said, not to just make it all about Marcus Peters, but the rest, but that your idea about how the energy of the defense has mm -hmm. completely fed on the motor of Max Crosby, the mindset of Max Crosby, like that guy, not only like you mentioned, he's relentless. And I think that that's a, a very common theme when it when and it comes to conversation around Max nowadays is that oh, yeah. that relentless nature that he has to him. But like what Jeff said, something at the end of the, at the end of the game, we watch the press conference. You see Rich Basaccia come over there, grab grab him away from um, from Lisa and okay. uh, and and oh, gives man. him a big small thank you gives yeah. him a big hug. Uh, you know they have some kind words there, whatever. And it was like, you know, and then he like he goes on to shout out Raider Nation. He, t he takes a minute to to acknowledge the fans even in a stadium where there's only 46% of them are Raider fans, he acknowledges the fans. He acknowledges his daughter. Like, yeah. that, like, and Jeff said, he's like, is this dude like one of the most Raidery Raiders of all time? Absolutely. Because, you know, me and Michelle have been Raider fans for a long time. We're a little bit older than Jeff. And he kind of looked at us like, am I crazy for thinking this? And we're like, no. Like, Not at all. He's, I'm wearing, tonight I'm wearing Gene Upshaw's jersey he's right up there with guys like Gene, like guys like Howie, like guys like, I mean, you name him. He is an absolute all-timer when it comes to the Raiders. And I could be prouder to have him as, as a member of our football team and a representative of our football team. Of course, Devontae Adams as well. I didn't get a chance to hear Devontae's comments after the game because we've gone live since, since ESPN has done their interview with him. But like, and so I don't want to take anything away from Devontae, but even that, I don't know. I think at this point, Max Crosby is like, even like he's, he's it. He's it. He's the face of the freaking Raiders at this point. And, well, uh, and we couldn't ask for a better, better rep. So, and Murph, I mean, it, it starts with his play and he's a great player. And, and the reason I brought up that energy that the defense seemed to feed off was because the defense was struggling. They were getting gashed on the ground by, by the Packers who were missing their, 
their top running back, by the way, in Aaron Young. So they they were they were there and they were kind of getting run over for a little bit. It was surprising to me that Green Bay was establishing the run so quickly, but it also was key because for whatever me- reason, Matt LaFleur decided to go conservative against the Raiders' banged-up defensive backfield. And what that did is it allowed – the backfield did well. You saw Amik Robertson now. We, the Marcus Peters stuff, I tweeted out about that during the game because I couldn't believe it. He wasn't making tackles. He was trying to make tackles or he was pretending to make tackles, whatever you want to call it. But <laughs> after that like initial first couple drives where they were giving up chunks of yards, then – and the three points – then Max Cross, he just seemed to come to life and and not just come to life, but to create plays. And when you have a breakthrough, that's that's what the Raiders have missed a lot, I think, this season so far, is that one play, even though Max Crosby's almost home on every play, he gets it, he makes it happen, and then everybody else starts to believe. Team sports like football, it just happens that way. You start to feel that momentum and that kind of vibe and to me, that's when it started, when he when he got that first sack. And that's not to say that they did perfect on every down, but clearly they did enough to to contain Green Bay in this game. And and I would get I mean, if I'm in the locker room, I'm giving the game ball to the defense. I mean, you might give it to Max Crosby, sure, but I'd give it to the entire defense because they came up big when they had to, and there was contributions from all over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw it from the middle of the defense today. Um, which we hadn't seen a lot. And, you know, and so much props to Meek Robertson, man. Like, we love that guy. Um, you mentioned him earlier, you know, uh, coming on your show and I'll interview with him. And I'll never forget the the tears in his eyes and the appreciation that he had when the Raiders drafted him, when they did the, you know, the, the when the Raiders did the You Make the Call videos and all that stuff. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think that he epitomizes to me, like, he's a dog. Like, he's a scrappy dude. Like, he never gives up on a play. He he's He plays bigger than his size. You know, so for him to come up with the with the game winning interception, like that is so awesome. Like that's a guy that you root for. Like oh, there yeah. are some guys yeah. that like you just root for them because you dig their passion, you dig their energy, you dig their commitment, you dig their, you know, everything that they bring to the table. And he's one of those guys. And and um, so I'm I'm so happy for that young man that that he was able to to, to come up with that with that interception. And 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 to your point also too, Scott about about Max, like we were talking as the game was, was winding down that like, you know, these were the games that the Raiders used to lose, you know, these four minute games where we had to close it out, where we had a small lead and we weren't able to do that. And, and tonight uh, we were granted it was the defensive side of the ball that, that actually closed it out. But that idea that the Raiders have not had closers, we haven't had a closer, you know, on offense, we haven't had a closer on defense. And so I was kind of really looking at Tyree Wilson a lot, especially on that, on that last defensive series. And I was really hoping that he was going to get home and, and, and get to Jordan love because they were just throwing everybody at max. I mean, they were just, I mean, they were doing everything they could. They're running away from him. Uh, you know, all the protections were sliding to our heads, towards his side. And, and, uh, and, and other than the occasional chip of a, of a, of a tight end on Tyree Wilson, he was getting one-on-ones and he was towards the end you could start to see it. You could start to yeah. see it show up. He was getting some movement going in there. He was getting close to love. Yes, he didn't bring it home, but this is what week five now. Yeah. So let's let that young man still continue to develop. And if he's going to take that kind of, you know, energy from Max that he's bringing to the table, like I'm telling you, if both those guys get going, it's, I mean, it's going to be literally <laughs> ball game for a lot of teams because that will make our secondary so much better. And uh, and even and that said too, and I also want to just say too about Amik, 
I mean, being elevated to being a starter tonight, like just yeah. with the injuries that we've had. And so for him to come up big like that, I mean, it's just, you know, just good well, stuff, man. It was really good stuff for the end. But again, I want to, I want to really harp on this. Like we've got our criticisms about Patrick Graham. We've got our criticisms, even about Carmen Brasillo and the regression of the offensive line. We've got our plenty of criticisms about Josh mm-hmm. McDaniel. People out there have plenty of criticism about Mark, Mark Davis. I don't, I'm not as much on that, on that train. Um, but I will say this. So for the young men, the players, again, to make it happen, I think that's what's awesome. And I, and I just I, I said it before, but I really want to reiterate the idea. I hope these damn coaches acknowledge that at how these guys have stepped up and frankly made them look good tonight. I mean, yeah. that just and that and they, that's it. You, 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 you I think I think the defense and this team rescued um, them from themselves from the coaching because and we'll oh. get into that here and we're going to take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about that a little bit. So we'll get into more of the critical. By the way, Murph, not surprising, in the YouTube chat, uh, a lot of people saying it's the worst they've ever felt after a win. <laughs> uh, also, uh, lots of the fire McDaniels, which we'll get into sure. as well. I get it. I get and it. And then, uh, of course, everybody's saying, man, can you believe Carlson missed two field goals, which I still can't believe. But, you know, that's okay. It happens. Uh, it's the NFL, and that happens occasionally with kickers. It's just, you know, they go in streaks, and he's had a really long one. So not a big deal. But we're going to take a break real quick here when we come back on Silver and Black today. We're going to get into some of the more critical things. And I will say emphatically, despite the win, I think that the Jimmy Garoppolo era in Las Vegas is already a complete disaster. And I will talk to you about that when I come back here on Silver and Black today. The postgame edition with Murph and Scott. Don't go anywhere. All right, you are back with Scott Goldbranson, Silver and Black today, along with my guest, as always, here on the show after the games. That is Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Make sure you follow him on X at underscore Murph. I am at LV Gully. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your audio. Just look for Silver and Black today. Put on the auto download. Also, appreciate you guys on the YouTube page blowing up the YouTube chat with all kinds of good and negative, I should say, critical, not negative, critical things that we're going to talk about as well. Of course, the Raiders 17 to 13 winners over the Green Bay Packers. They now move to two and three. Okay, so let's jump into some of these things, Murph, uh, especially with with some of the critical things that we want to talk about. Number one, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I I made a strong statement because I really believe now that I've seen I've seen enough. I've seen enough of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I know there's going to be people out there. Then why did we move on from the other quarterback? I don't criticize the Raiders for moving on from the previous quarterback. Uh, I criticize the Raiders for moving on from the previous quarterback and putting all of their money on Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo has not delivered. You saw an interaction with him and, and Josh McDaniels uh, after the interception where, where it seemed to be pretty heated. Now who knows what's happening. You, you don't know what he's saying, but at the same time, this is the guy that Josh McDaniels picked. He ran off the other quarterback. I'm just going to say it that way, ran off the other quarterback to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. He didn't run off the other quarterback trade up in the draft and draft a young kid and just roll with a young kid. He brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. This is the guy he brought in. Now you're in game five. And as, as my co-host Mo said during the game, I'm going to repeat it here for him. So you're going to tell me this is your quarterback and you're in game five and you're simplifying the offense for him. And you're changing the offense because there's not a connection there. 
He still can't connect with Devontae Adams. Started two towards the end of the game after a three-quarter, almost three-quarter uh, drought. Uh, and and he just doesn't look comfortable out there. He doesn't look comfortable through another bad interception, which resulted in seven points the other way. And so I, I'm just going to say it because, look, I'm not saying the Raiders can't win more games. And I'm not saying you go right to Aiden O'Connell right now. But, man, I'm telling you, Josh McDaniels, is is his seat is going to get a lot warmer because of what he's done, the decision and the play of Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that this offense overall, Murph, they have nice plays, nice sequences, but overall they just can't get over the hump and it has to start in the NFL with the quarterback. Yeah, what he was he with 22 of 31 for what? 208 yards or something like that. Like, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't have the numbers yeah, in front of me. 22, 31, 208, one TD and one interception. That's an 86.5 quarterback. Rate. What up y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never before told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. There you go. And so, you know, we were talking about it tonight. So like, and we're so with you, like, I, uh, I don't want to just completely reiterate what everything that you said, uh, <laughs> but like all three of us here on Raiders fan radio, like we agree, like, and moving on from Derek was a right decision. It was the right thing for him, frankly. And sure. um, I don't know about a, a lot of you out there, but like, if you've been watching saints games this year, Derek looks like Derek, he looks like the same guy. He moves the ball very efficiently between the twenties struggles in the red zone and struggles with some some bad interceptions and you know there's a reason that alvin Kamara and Taysom hill get a lot of their get their hands on the ball the ones responsible for scoring in the red zone so um you know not that Derek hasn't scored red zone touchdown because he's done what two um to this point but anyways my point being though is that like i get it i get it why they moved on but I also get the idea that like well they didn't make the right choice and who they moved on from it was just like like when we we traded Khalil Mack away. It was like, okay, we saved all that money, so we didn't have to pay him. We acquired all this draft capital, but then we didn't do anything with all that draft capital we acquired, other than the idea that Josh Jacobs came out of that draft. But, like, the, the, we didn't do anything with it. So what was the point? And so that's where I kind of, like, the three of us collectively tonight were like, what was the point of moving on from Derek? Like, we could have just kept them. We could have just kept them and been the same old team we kind of always have been. And, and you know, if you're going to move on from him, like, why didn't we draft, you know, a quarterback in the first round? You know, and like, I, I don't understand that. Like, I, and so, especially when we had a high pick. So, like, there was, there was you know, there were guys there that, that could have filled the role. So, it's just interesting to me that the way that the, the way the thing is played out. And this is what's confusing, and this is the overall criticism of, uh, I think, of this front office is that, like, 
they'll make a move and it's like, okay, I can see the reasoning behind that. But then they do some dopey ass thing behind it. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Well, that didn't make sense. Like, what did we do it for then? Right. Like, what was the whole point of that? You know? So I, well, I'm, Murphy, I'm with you. But that's, that's the, that's the point I'm finding here too. And it's not, you know, there's a, there's, there's been that battle in Raider nation over, over the former quarterback and talking about that and all that. That's not what this is. I'm purely going off performance. I'm, we on this show have always had reservations about Garoppolo because of his injuries, right? We always had it. But I also, we've had guest after guest who covered him in San Francisco who talked about what kind of quarterback he was. And they talked Jimmy about it Gibbons, on the broadcast right? tonight, right? He's going to dump the ball off. He's not going to challenge you vertically a lot, uh, but he's not even doing that here. He's not finding the middle of the field. Now, for example, passing to tight ends. Boy, the game started off. I was really excited because I saw Michael Mayer actually get targeted twice for nice gains. And that, but that was the scripted beginning of the game, right? So he he did that. Then you get later in the game, Devontae Adams disappears. He doesn't disappear. Jimmy G doesn't see him. Same thing with Michael Mayer. They go to Hooper one time, maybe. And again, he gets into the rhythm of only finding Jacoby Myers or looking for Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. It was a repeat of the other games. And then, of course, the, the turnover. I mean, he's got seven turnovers in four games. Okay, the Raiders have played five. He missed one game. So so this is unacceptable. They talked about it all week. On, and even him, before the game, uh, the last press conference, he said, yeah, no, I, I've been focused. i got to protect the ball. got to protect the ball. And he's throwing terrible passes. And he's not seeing open routes. And that's my concern there, too, because I don't know what's up with Jimmy G. I know from watching the film and talking to people about him in San Francisco, sort of positives and negatives, everybody's got them, but it just seems like it's not clicking for him or for the Raiders. And then Josh McDaniels has put everything into this guy, at least for the next few years. And the offense can't get into a solid rhythm. It might for one drive. And then the next drive, it looks completely terrible. The two sacks on third down, two series in a row in the first half, for example, it's third and three. You feel the pressure in the pocket. You're going to take a sack? Why? Why? Dump the, throw the ball off, dump the ball off, do something, step up in the pocket. He couldn't do it. So, so I'm just completely unimpressed. And f- five weeks in, I'm just going to call it what I think it is, which is a disaster. I'm I'm with you. There's no other way to read that. That I think it's uh, it was the wrong call. And a, it's it's so peculiar to me that they have put that many eggs into that bat. Like that's the guy they chose to define what their you know potential coaching legacy is going to be with the Raiders. <laughs> uh, you know, or in Dave Ziegler's case, you know, the, the GMing of the Raiders. Like it's like the, I, I'm just shocked by that. Like that 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 was the one that they they went all in for. And for all those reasons. Um, that you stated that he just doesn't have the the field awareness, doesn't have the vision that we expected. Yeah. And then I want to say this too, that like, you know, here I've, I've, I've been very critical of Josh McDaniels and here we are, we're being critical of, uh, of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I caught a lot of like, not a lot of heat, but like I caught some heat on Twitter this week because I put out another little snippet of our show where I was criticizing Josh and, and, and there was a lot of people that were like, Oh, like, Oh, and look at this guy. He, he turns on a dime. Like he I used to be the biggest Josh McDaniels apologist. And now look what happened. And blah, blah, blah. Look, man, opinions can change based on the evidence provided. Of okay. Of and so in the off season this year, when the Raiders chose to move on from Derek Carr, we understood why I can look at it objectively, not subjectively and put my Derek Carr fandom aside, which I was when he was a member of our football team, put my fandom aside for the player and look at the fact that the Raiders needed to make a significant change. And the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo was a proven winner, he had the support of his 
former teammates. You listen to the guys who used to catch passes from him. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Sim. They all love Jimmy. So what, what evidence was provided for us as Raider fans that Jimmy was going to, quote, suck, okay? And when you looked at some of the numbers, and especially I think it was the 2019 season, like he had ri- numbers that would rival Derek Carr, in t- even including throwing the ball downfield. So those were the things that we looked for in order to be excited as a fan base because we're Raiders fans, and that's why our show is Raiders Fan Radio. So I'm a fan of the Raiders, and I'm going to look for the good in them. Well, at this point, I'm with you, Scott. There isn't much to be a fan of his play. So my opinion is going to start to change. And the idea that you're not willing to put Aiden O'Connell in as the backup to Jimmy Garoppolo to get the young man some snaps and to get him developed to find out what you have. The NFL has become a league where you have to have a franchise quarterback. Well, even this at this point, five weeks mm-hmm. in, Jimmy Garoppolo has proven that he's not going to be our franchise quarterback. So what are we doing? Yeah. What are we it's doing? A- and, my, and my overriding criticism, and, and, and Jimmy aside, my overriding criticism about the front office in this, in this whole thing, everything is slow. Yeah. Why is everything so slow? We go to the ball slow. We get plays in slow. We make decisions slow. Like, everything is slow. Like, I don't yeah. understand yeah. it. Like, this, when you look at teams, like, we, we were talking today. We are talking about the games that happen over Sunday. Look around the NFL to the teams that are doing well. What do they all do? They're fast. Like, and I'm not even talking about just on the field speed, a la the Miami Dolphins. Everything they they do is precision and quickness and pace and everything moves. Like the Raiders don't feel like they have that. And that's, I think, a huge indictment on Josh McDaniels and ultimately the play of Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, I, I looked at it today, and, and we'll move off of Jimmy Garoppolo because I know we'll spend some time here on this show this week talking about it. But but you look at Josh McDaniels in the coaching situation. I know everybody in the chat saying, fire him, fire him, fire him. I don't say fire anybody. I can tell you that I think he, he can't manage the clock still. He still has problems with clock management. The end of the first half, they hold the Packers on a third uh. down, deep in their own territory. There's a minute 40-something left. And they had the Raiders had two timeouts left and they don't call a timeout the clock ticks and they don't get the ball until 55 seconds. And then you got to rush down the field. Right. And then Carlson misses the field goal. So you have that. And it's like, wait a minute, you're an offensive guru. We heard you, you still can't manage the clock. You saw it later too. I mean, the first timeout they took was because the play got in late in the first half. Then in the second half, you saw it again. You had penalties, all sorts of mental lapses. Now, look, mistakes happen every game for every team. No question. But the amount, and to your point about pacing and the slowness, it doesn't ever seem like there's a sense of urgency, nor does it seem like there's a sense of crispness in how they operate. And to me, that is, you're right, that is coaching. And that's why I said he's not managing the clock. And I don't think that this football team overall, overall is coached well on both sides of the ball. I'm not saying fire anybody. You can read into it, whatever you want, but I'm telling you as many games as I watch, because that's how I make a living. I watch every game during the Sunday uh, and, and, and it blows my mind because there are some other teams like that too, by the way, and they're all piss poor teams. And to me, that's what I see in the Raiders. I see a sloppiness. I see a lack of, or I mean, Murph, you, you're a business guy. When you walk into a place and it's disorganized, can't you just feel it? I mean, you can see it by how everybody works and how the Raiders work to me screams a lack of organization. 
A hundred percent. And those are the things like to me, like I, those are the things I don't understand. And where I'm one of the points where I'm most critical of coaches is culture is number one, because you can have all the strategy in the world. But uh, as the saying goes that, uh, you know, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> if you don't have your constituents and in this case, your team bought in and, and, and all pulling the same rope and sharing in the same vision and all the, the, the different phrases we can throw out there. But if there isn't a unity amongst a common goal and, and and again in that shared vision of all working towards that then it doesn't matter you can be the most brilliant strategist offensive guru uh in the world and it doesn't matter and so um so those that's it's definitely like the the, the main thing um that i look at and then you and then the second one of that is 100 percent it's organization it's it's sloppiness and again it's the timing of things and it's all that where it's like because those are those are controllables you know and like you know, you can control effort. You can control organization. You can't control what happens when a ball gets tipped in the air, right? Correct. You can't control it. Like, no. I mean, you can, yeah, you can be a great athlete and yeah, you can hope that your players are in the best position possible uh, to share in success, but you can't control it. You can't control what Matt LaFleur is doing. You can't control what Jordan Love is doing. You can't control those things, but you can control your side of the field and your crispness and your organization and like, and that to me, I'm you, you drew the business analogy and you are a hundred percent correct. And in and, 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 and time, you can feel it when you walk in to a business and when there is sloppy management, you get sloppy results and you get sloppy effort and energy and all that. And, and you can just feel it. You can feel yeah. it in the room um, when you walk in. That's why always one of the number one things that happens is when you get a management change or a buyout or whatever else, what do they do? They clean house and you yeah. bring it all the way down to the foundation and then you build it all the way back up. That's why when you become a Marine, they break you all the way down and then build you all the way back up the way that they want you to be. Uh, and so, um, you know, so it's just, you please. No, I was going to say, I just think too, that when that happens, right, because a lot of folks might say, well, the players have to own that too. And to a certain degree, that's correct. You need to work hard. You need to be focused, Right. But when you're in a culture or in a environment where things are like that, it kind of sneaks up on you. You don't even realize it. It's like it's like you're you're part of that nomenclature and it happens and it it's thrust upon you and you don't even realize it. Right now, Max Crosby seems immune to it. I'll, I'll say that. But other than that, guys just get complacent. It happens. Right. Uh, even though Josh McDaniels is a known hard ass on guys, much to the chagrin of some because some don't like it. But you look at that, and and to me, that is such a great point. Okay, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about two things when we come back, Murph. Well, three things. One is the offensive line. Two is the decision to kick the field goal towards the end of the game, which, of course, was Carlson's second miss, but okay. And third is we'll give everybody an update on the One Nation Foundation, which we do every show as well. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to and watching Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. The Raiders win 17-13 over the Packers. Don't go anywhere. Murph and I are coming right back. Anyway, so we came back from the break. Silver and Black today, Murph, Scott. Moe's going to jump in here, too. Uh, want to tell you, though, I want to thank Daniel again because he didn't hear me. Uh, Daniel donated uh, $50. Um, oh, Yes, nice. $50 from Daniel. Uh, man, just who's going to uh, get a free T-shirt from our good friends at DC4L Custom Tees, who is donating shirts to this. So I just want to make sure you know, Daniel, your, your $50 is going right to the One Nation Foundation. Murph, let's talk about that. Tell everybody about One Nation Foundation real quick so Daniel knows. And if anybody else wants to jump into the Super Chat, we will also do that and uh, let you know. So Murph, tell them about the foundation. 
Yeah, so thank you, Daniel Mangus. He's a he's a great listener of our show, and uh, him and his brother Matthew are there's some there's some OG Raider fan radio uh, Raiders fan radio guys, and uh, I love those guys to death, and I appreciate everything that that you have done to support the Raiders fan radio, and most importantly, the One Nation Foundation. Uh, so, real quick, the One Nation Foundation supports Raiders related charities. We give 100 percent of the money that we raise with our show, whether it's through direct donations like this or merchandise sales, advertising, like the good folks at Manscaped. Shout out Manscaped. Uh, so any anything that we get, shout out Will Compton, shout out the boy. Uh, any money that we get, uh, we donate it to uh, Raiders-related charities, uh, mainly uh, this year the Bolitnikoff Foundation, but also other folks like the Ra- like Raider Dad, who takes underprivileged kids to Raider games. Uh, but uh, the Bolitnikoffs, as I mentioned, uh, we give to them, and we're going to present them a check for $15,000 on behalf of, of – uh, of all the listeners of Silver and Black today and, and Raiders Fan Radio, and we're going to meet up with the Blitnikoffs next month. It's uh, November 3rd and uh, present that check at their annual Crab Fest. And uh, there'll be a bunch of Raider legends in attendance. And, uh, you know, from Super Bowl MVPs to, you know, the owner, Mark Davis, so everybody will be there. And, uh, and and we always make sure that we acknowledge the idea that this comes from the listening audience. So we can't thank you enough. This uh, We're just the vessels. We just turn on the microphones. You guys are the ones that make it happen. And we can't thank you enough uh, for your support of the One Nation Foundation. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And, and listen, you guys do great work. And uh, make sure you go check out, again, Murph, Michelle, and Jeff will be live right after this over on Raiders Fan Radio. It is now past midnight in the Eastern Time Zone, which means uh, the party's about to begin in Midtown with Midtown Mo. Oh, so he jumps in with us now. Of course, he just got off his Bleacher Report live, where I'm sure he heard nothing about the coaching. It was all about the defense or the quarterback. You didn't hear anything about that. But, Mo, we, we've gone through a little bit of that. We started, of course, it's a win. A win is a win. It might have been an absolutely terrible football game to watch from a football perspective, to be honest with you, in my view. But at least a, a win is a win. So the Raiders get off the snide a little bit there. Uh, but we're going to shift gears. And I want to get your sense, too, Mo, on this one. And, Murph, you jump in when he's done, which is the offensive line. I mean – the regression and Mo, I think it was you during the game who said something about uh, the fact that that uh, even Colton Miller has gone backwards. Uh, tell me your impressions of this and what you saw, and how this is going to continue to be an issue until something something fixes it. First of all, I want to say Murph, correct me if I'm wrong in on this one. There is no Raider win that is too ugly to celebrate. A win <laughs> is a win. I don't care if the Raiders yes. win three zero, six zero, seven to three. They run the football game. They haven't won a home game since last year, week 15 against the Patriots. <laughs> they have lost three straight. You enjoy these wins as they come because you don't know how many you're going to get. Now, Scott, to your question, the offensive line worries me. The offense, A combination of the offensive line and Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, pocket feel or pocket presence, whatever you want to call it, that combination worries me because, as I, as I said during the game, he's had at least one interception in every one of his starts now. And the offensive line is not getting any better protecting him or opening up holes for Josh Jacobs. What I will say is the Raiders did make a tweak. Uh, Thayer Mumford did uh, play most of the snaps at right tackle over Jermaine Luminar, who has struggled. So maybe there's some hope there at right tackle. But it's clear to me that whatever scheme they're running, whether, whatever, whatever the Raiders are doing with their offensive line, it ain't working. Now, I don't know if they have to go out and sign another guard because Greg Van Roten, who started the season okay, is just completely – he seems unplayable. I don't know if, yeah. if Alex Barr's spirit has inhibited his body, but he is—he seems un, he seems unplayable right now. The Raiders, if they're going to go out and get an offensive lineman from the outside, they have to address the guard position because Dylan Parham also gave up a sack early. So, you know, you hope that Colt Miller could turn it around because you're obviously not going to bench him. 
But the guard position, that needs to change. And I think if the Raiders improve their guard play, you'll see improvement in the run game. Yeah, Murph, I, 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 you, you, I love, talked a lot about this on your last show, Murph. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and I think that it's important for us to acknowledge what's going on with with Carmen Brasillo there. Like, where in the world is Carmen Brasillo? <laughs> like, like, we, like that guy, we, we sung his praises, uh, especially going into uh, last year uh, towards the end when the, when the Raiders' offensive line was, was playing pretty darn good. So, uh, you know, at least, you know, in considered to, to the, our expectations and to where they were and, and kind of outplaying their talent a little bit. And so when you see regression, like, that's always like, it always comes back to coaching, man. I, I, you know, and I hate to just sit here and just call out coaches all show long, but like, at, but they're the ones responsible for it. And, and when it goes backwards, when you have the same group essentially and they get worse, like what happened? Like what, what changed there? And so exactly. again, is that, does that come down to culture and environment and all those kinds of things? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, but I, what I, I do want to also acknowledge to what you said, Mo, um, there is no such thing as a bad Raider win, man. They all good. And listen, this might be our last win at home. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like this season is not going well. And I know we got the Patriots and the freaking Bears on deck. But then, oh yeah, guess what? We got to play the freaking Lions. Wouldn't that be something where the Raiders at three and three? And you know, and I thought that we were going to get past the Steelers and the Chargers. I really did. And that would have been a nice, real run of success uh, for the Raiders going in to play a team like the Lions, who's proven to be one of the best teams in the NFC this year. They're just playing out of their minds. Speaking of good leadership, Dan Campbell, right? Like, I mean, look, these things are not hard. Look at the teams that, that are the best in the NFL right now. And I'm, I'll say this quick and I'll shut up because I want to hear from Mo because he's way more cool than I am. But like when you hear, like, <laughs> look at guys in the NFL, they're great. Bob Sala, amazing coach, amazing leader of men. Oh, yeah, guess what? Best team in football. Uh, Dan Campbell, right? Amazing football team. Mike McDaniel. I was talking about Mike McDaniel today. I was talking to Valerie uh, and, and, and we were talking about leadership and leadership when it comes to coaches. And I'm like, he's the biggest goobery football nerd there is. But when it comes to coaching a football game, yeah. he's cold, man. Oh, he's yeah. a badass. Like he ain't afraid of anything. And his players have his back. And when you look at guys like that, like you don't have to be a rah-rah guy. You don't have to be John Madden. You can be Tom Flores too. You know what I mean? Like there's two different ways to be an effective leader of men. And so um, anyway, so when you look around the league, man, the best of the the That's best coaches it. out there yes. are just really super effective. And so anyway. And Murph, no, you, br you bring that up because I, I just wrote a story about the Dolphins and, and how he's combined two really well-known offenses and everybody's like, that'll never work. And he's like, yeah, screw it. It's going to work because I'm going to make it work. So I, I get it there. By the way, I got to do a shout out Justin Churchill for a $5 donation to the One Nation Foundation and Big Shane, Raider Nation for Life, $100 donation to uh, the One Nation Foundation. He says, when we support the One Nation Foundation, we all win. I will say our offensive line has no shadows because they can't block sunlight. Woo! That's a good one. <laughs> I never heard that one. That's a good one. That's a very That's a good, good one. one. Thank you. Thanks for the donation, man. Um, Thank yeah, you, Shane. and, and Thank it's you. it it's just going to continue. Last thing I want to talk. Well, not the last thing, but I want to talk about two Mo and get your impression because I kind of changed my mind on this one really quick. The field goal towards the end of the game felt like a lot. The field goal at home when they lost last time against Pittsburgh, right? It felt like that. But then I started to think about what we were just talking about, the offensive line <laughs> and what's going on with the offensive line. And I don't care what Josh McDaniels said during the press conference because I can't watch it till we're done here. He does not have confidence in that offensive line. Neither does his quarterback because nobody seems to understand or have any kind of rhythm or flow into anything. 
So in that case, even though it basically allowed the Packers to possibly tie the game on the next possession, uh, I think in that case, it was the right thing to do. I know he's getting criticized. Even Troy Aikman's like, oh, I don't know about that. But as bad as that offensive line is, has been, couldn't you argue that, Mo? Scott, I'm not, I'm not letting Josh McDaniels off the hook with that decision. I no. just talked about this on my Bleach Report. I am not, I'm not no, letting him Scott, off the hook. I'm just saying Scott, he created the issue. Scott, even if Daniel Carlson makes the field goal, it's a seven-point game. Mike, yeah. Matt, Matt LaFleur has gone for two-point conversions before the season. I remember uh, announcer talking about how aggressive he's been. I would have been surprised if had the Packers scored a touchdown, they went for two and won the football game or tried to win the football game. To me, it's fourth and one, and I'm not an analytics nerd. I am not one of those analytics nerds. I just going to put that out there right now. But it's fourth and one. You brought back Josh Jacobs on a modified franchise tag deal, one year, $11.8 million base. You brought him back to kick a 52-yard field goal with Daniel Carlson to go up seven, which is still a one-possession game. I No, no. It's fourth and one. The offensive, the run, the run game had actually saw some daylight in the second half. It was sluggish in the first half. Mm-hmm. But remember, Josh Jacobs had that big 24-yard run. And at a point in time, he had been rolling on the ground. Now, Jimmy G still doesn't trust his offensive line, in my opinion, because he's a little happy in the pocket. But Josh Jacobs had been moving the ball a bit, you know, give or take. If you can't hand off to your top running back who just won the rushing title, who you just paid to come back for one yard to close the football game, that's a problem. How many times do I have to say the Raiders are the fifth most and Cap Dallas spent in the offense and you can't trust that offense to get you one yard to close a football game? To me, that's a problem. That's why I say something has to change with the offensive line, specifically the guard position. If Jimmy G is going to continue to turn the ball over, here I'll say it, you go to Aiden O'Connell. Because there's no way you can have your quarterback stand in the pocket and continually give the other team chances to get back in the football game and win games. This is not the Jimmy G that was advertised during the offseason. We always talk about Jimmy G as, oh, he's a winner. He's going to protect the football. He's efficient. We're not seeing that right now. And if we don't see that pretty soon, especially against some of these bad teams coming up, you got to let the rookie play. And I know Aiden O'Connell had his turnover issues too, but I'm just saying with Jimmy G, you expected expected a lot more from a veteran who's been in the league for about a decade or more who was supposedly a winner in San Francisco. This isn't the Jimmy G that was in San Francisco, and I didn't expect it to be. I don't know why a lot of people expected him to be the same. But, again, seven interceptions and, what, four starts? That has to change or he has to go to the bench. Hey, uh, uh, Murph, I got I to gotta cool off uh, my buddy Mo here. Got to cool him off. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not into hearing any excuse of a Josh McDaniels decision-making. I, I criticized him for not taking a timeout before halftime because that forced oh, the offense to have to rush. About that. Yes, you know, absolutely. I know the field goal was blocked. That's not Daniel Carlson. The field goal was blocked. It was tipped. But he should have gave his offense more time. More and a, time. Lot of, a lot of people will push back and say, well, he didn't want to give the Packers back the ball for them to score. So what? If the Packers score, it's 10-10. You're going to halftime tied. You know what I mean? And it's like the Packers had been moving up. The, they, the Packers no. weren't the greatest show on turf tonight. No. They were struggling and, and, all night. And not only that, not only that, Mo, but in, in the second segment, uh, we were talking about, and, and I brought up the, the fact that, again, there were about 10 examples of horrible game and clock management in this game. You mentioned the big one before half, but they had a penalty for delay a game twice, right? I think. Twice, yep, I know for once for sure. A Twice, getting the play in late, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and and that's what Murph brought up, right? Murph was your point about this. This team seems slow. Like 
everything is in slow motion. When they get to the line, when they get the plays in, when they're switching off, they got the delay a game because they didn't get the 11th man on the field in time. This is coaching. And I, I said it earlier that this, this is not a well-coached team on both sides of the ball. I'll say this really quick, Murph. The defense is getting better. I know they gave up a big play to Christian Watson where Amik Robinson and Marcus Epps both went into the backfield and Marcus Peters had to kind of save a touchdown with that horse collar penalty. But for the most part, the defense, you can see the improvement in the defense. Mm-hmm. As I said, for the last six quarters, they've been, the defense has been playing well. You shut up the charges in the second half of that game and you force Jordan Love to throw two interceptions. You know, and the Raiders get three turnovers in total. To me, that's a win for the defense. I'm more worried about the offense. As I said, it has to start with the offensive line because, in my opinion, the engine of your football team starts up front in the trenches with your offensive line. If your offensive line is playing well, you get a more comfortable quarterback in the pocket and you'll get a more effective run game. I, I agree, Mo, and, and it's int- and I want to really capitalize on your point about the short yardage. Is that like you know we have a very high priced running back in our backfield who's arguably one of the best in the league. Who's obviously everybody knows he's a rushing leader last year. Why can't you trust him to get that yard? And when why are we like I'll forever be confused by offensive play calling when you have a short yard to gain and you run a toss play or you run a jet sweep or you run anything that's away from the line of scrimmage. Like you have this guy that uh, I don't know what his truck rating is in Madden anymore. Cause I don't play it. But like, <laughs> he's like, that's what he's known for is barreling through people or battling through that first contact and falling forward to gain yards. Like if you can't trust Josh Jacobs to gain a yard, then like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I'm so confused by that. And, and when it came down to that, to that last scoring play, I'm like, I'm like freaking hollering, like put in Jacob Johnson and let's just freaking pound the freaking football in there, run it in between the freaking guards and let's go. And what do they do? And Josh Jacobs freaking fires it right in there. Like, I don't understand why that's not a trusted portion. Like that's what we should be doing. Well, and that's one of the things that's so confusing about it it's like when you look at the, the the amount of investment is one thing monetarily but the investment in talent like why is the the talent that we have at those sp- specific positions in those scenarios why aren't we running a fade to Devonte adams in the end zone or using michael mayer or something like that like why aren't we doing we don't see anything like that everything i don't know what it's just it's very confusing and i'm with you on that on that mo and the last thing i'll say too is that like the, the carlson family Shout out the Carlson family. They're, you're a very pretty, beautiful family, and I'm glad to see your togetherness. Stay out of Allegiant Stadium, though. Don't come back. Y'all watch that stuff at home. Keep like, let's, let's keep the Carlson family at the crib and just watch it on the dang TV. It's in HD. You can see it great. You can see Daniel kick them from there because when they're in the building, uh, you know, results yeah, are mixed. the Swedes are a little too crazy, right? They, they get together in Vegas and... And then all of a sudden, it's all over. It's like the Swedish chef, man. I'm going to keep them. No, sorry. My grandmother was Swedish. I, I get well, it. Uh, oh, my but, God. I'm just glad you didn't make me do a beaker impersonation on the hill for that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, listen, and Mo, I know we're going to talk about it on the show this week because I came out strong in, in segment two, and I'm calling it, Mo. The Garoppolo situation is a, is a disaster, and I don't think it's going to get better. I really don't. He might have better games, but overall, I don't see... He's not grasping the offense. He's not finding his weapons outside of the scripted plays. You saw Michael Mayer citing two huge plays in the first half, and then he misses him with a duck throw in the second half. So I just don't – I don't know what's going on with the guy, uh, but uh, it's not going to work. I think it's a bust, 
And as I told you back in July, they are putting all their chips on that number on number 10. And to me, it, it's, it's already hit snake eyes. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get a lot better. Here's the thing. What did I call Jimmy G in the offseason? I called him Mitty G, right? And people Mitty. thought, oh, you're being yeah. insensitive. Why are you calling him Mitty G? Well, <laughs> he's a pretty mid-quarterback. Yeah. Away from the San Francisco 49ers, he's a mid-quarterback. Let's just be honest about that. And I told people, you're not going to get the same Jimmy G that you stole with the 49ers. You're just not. Just like if you take Brock Purdy away from the 49ers right now and you drop him on the Bears. You think Brock Purdy's going to look as good as he does in San Francisco right now? No. No. Kyle Shanahan, even though he talk about the 28-3 and talk about him losing in the Super Bowl as a head coach of the 49ers, he knows how to elevate most quarterbacks. Didn't work out for Trey Lance, but for most quarterbacks who have some experience, he knows how to elevate those guys. And it's a step down from Kyle Shanahan to Josh McDaniels. And that, and that's that that's going to be my problem with the Raiders. While I like their chances to win, you know, at least three of the next five, they have as we mentioned, the Patriots, the Bears, the Lions, and then the two New York football teams. I like their chances to win three, at least three of those games. What's going to hurt them is if Josh McDaniels keeps making these conservative calls and it's going to cost the Raiders one of these games that they should have won and you're going to have me, you, and Murph up here screaming our heads <laughs> off because Josh McDaniels yeah. cost them a game with one of his conservative calls. Instead of trusting his high-paid offense, he wants to kick field goals and punt the ball. So Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that um, by the way, Raider Worm, our good friend on YouTube, five dollar donation to the foundation. So just want to say thank out to him. And he says, "Fire up the Irish cannon." So yes, yes. So there you go. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I. It's just not. It's it's again. It's 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 blown. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I and and Murph was saying, talking earlier about changing the mind about the coach and all that stuff. Look, we we had we had our doubts going in with Garoppolo. And again, the Raiders win 17-13, okay? It's a win. It's good. <laughs> but you can't ignore, to your point, Mo, you can't ignore how bad the offense has regressed. And and there's no excuse. The, these guys have run the offense for two years. Jimmy Garoppolo's new to it, but he's not taking advantage of all these things that he has. He doesn't have the defense he had in San Francisco, but he's got a pretty good offense. But the offensive line has regressed. Devontae Adams, they can't find him for a whole half. Michael Mayer, they can't find him except for two plays. Again, he finds Jacoby Myers. I don't know if those guys got a like a, a money thing going on there. What's going on? But that's all he finds. Hunter Renfro, wait, one target tonight? That's it. Again. Two targets, one catch. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. So so to me, uh there's so many layers here. And I know we're gonna get going too, because we got to get Murph off to his show uh before Michelle and Jeff pass out because they they're still drinking, right? Is that what right? <laughs> Apologies to them. Right, guys? We're, we're, we're holding the head blowhard over there. <laughs> we're <away> from that. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go. He's got to save some of it for his own show. My God. Um, all right. Well, you know listen. So well, Mo. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, Murph. Thanks for being with us, my man. We really, really appreciate it. And again, go watch his show. It's coming on right after ours. And go subscribe to the Raiders Fan Radio. Uh, channel on YouTube. And also you can get their podcast too. If you want to listen to the audio on your way to work tomorrow, all red eyed and excited that your Raiders won. At least a couple of you are excited at least, uh, which is good. And then Mo and I will be back uh, tomorrow or excuse me on Wednesday with our mailbag show. We're now doing voicemail and we got voicemail. I finally listened to Murph because he's been doing voicemail for a long time and it works out well. So we'll do that as well. So Mo and I will be back on Wednesday for that 
And then we'll have a full show on Thursday. But we'll get into some of these issues on Wednesday as well. Murph, my man, my best to Michelle and Jeff. Have a great show, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all very much. And, uh, hey, we got a three-game winning streak on the horizon here, fellas. Let's go. There you go. Yes. I said it. Before you got to go to Motor City, absolutely. All right. Have a good night, guys. All right. Have a good one, Murph. All right, there you, you go. Mo. All right, Mo. I know. Uh, I know you. You've been busy. You had two lives today, so this is your third show of the day. I mean, you gonna do something today, or are you just gonna sit around and do nothing all day? <laughs> I'm just gonna sit around and you know eat ice cream all day. Not gonna, not gonna be very busy. Just kind of lounge around and enjoy the wind. Now that I had nothing going on today at all, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I am waiting with bated breath to 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 watch the replay of the press conference we just missed because I to your point. And you said it over and over. I think you tweeted it out during the game, which was, I want to see if he takes responsibility for some of those calls. Um, my guess would be no, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, he, he'll explain it, but we probably won't agree with it, his explanation. <laughs> That's probably true. Nor will all the folks watching on YouTube and listening to the podcast on Tuesday morning. But yeah, so so again, look, I, I we started off, we did our whole first segment, Mo, on on the positives here, right? On the play of the defense. And I absolutely agree with your statement. The defense has gotten better, especially these last two games. And you saw them play. And I, I said Max Crosby, early part of the game, they were kind of getting gashed. And then Max Crosby makes a couple big plays and suddenly everybody's mood and everybody's energy changed. And you saw them ball out. And of course, Robert Spillane with the two interceptions. One was a great one. The other one was off a tip, but you still got to catch the ball. You can't take anything for granted. So that was the sign. And and not having your two top uh, cornerbacks, young cornerbacks, and still being able to get the job done, uh, Marcus Peters aside. But Marcus Peters redeemed himself at the end. Uh, and and so you got to appreciate that as well. But uh, we're going to we're gonna uh, now say goodnight. So that Mo and I can, I got to go finish a story. I don't know about you, but I got to go finish some work and then go to bed. But we will be back on Wednesday for the mailbag show. And Mo, are you ready for this whole voicemail thing now? I think I'm ready. I mean, I, I don't know what we're going to get in the voicemail. No creepy voices. I don't <laughs> want anyone sounding like my fifth grade teacher or anything like that. Hello. Yes, we can, you know, we can do like, that. Hello, Mo. <laughs> so please, your please. Okay. So, so please, um, no creepy, nightmarish voices on the voicemail, please. That's my only request. <laughs> I'm just excited because, yeah, we don't know. Like, we, we get mail from people, and, and some of the voicemails are from people that we usually hear from, and I've never heard their voice before. So it'll be it'll be interesting to do that, uh, but we certainly appreciate it. Uh, and and I know, when is your, you have a, a, another Bleacher Report live on Wednesday, or is that not till Friday? I have a Bleacher Report live on Tuesday, actually. Oh, Tuesday. So, so later. So, if you're listening to this in the morning, later today. Uh -huh. if you're later today. Live tomorrow. I'll talk about Coast. trade targets for the Raiders, uh, pass uh -huh. rushers that they should target in uh, in trade deals, uh, because I don't think the Raiders are at the point yet where they're just selling off assets. Now, if they had lost tonight, they'd be major sellers. But with yeah. the win tonight, it kind of restores some competitiveness that they can possibly make a run as me Murph and I talked about. Yeah. So I'll have that on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, I'll turn it ahead and look at the next game, which is against the Patriots, who Bill Belichick said is they're starting over on offense, whatever that means. We'll dig into that. And then I have a piece coming up on Sports Not, also about trade targets that the Raiders should go after other than defensive end or pass rusher. Nice. There you go. Keep him busy, keeping out of trouble. I love it. Good deal. 
All right, man. Well, thanks for jumping in with us here. Um, as people are telling you, asking if you were eating mint chip ice cream when you were eating ice cream. Uh, not my, not me. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what Raider Worm was asking you. I got one more point. Yes. Who came on this show and said the Braves would win this game, by the way? Let's not forget that. You did. I didn't pick one. I, I just I, you, said I you, couldn't pick them. You said you could pick. I stood up here and I took all the bullets from the people that said, Maul, you're delusional. Oh, yes. the Raiders stink. The, we're the get right game. The Packers are going to put up. 30 on us because we don't have Nate Hobbs and Josh Jacobs stinks and everyone stinks and the Rays aren't going to win any more games and they're going one in 16. <laughs> I stood up here and I said, look, emotions aside, <laughs> I'm looking at the film. I'm looking at the Packers. I'm heat. looking at Jordan Love. I got, yeah. I did for picking a win. I got heat. I know. And I said crazy. it in my pregame show. I said the Raiders win the game. I'm, oh, Mo, you're, you're high. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Raiders get the W. By the way, I was the only person on the Bleacher Report staff expert team panel that picked the Raiders to win. I picked them straight up and against the spread. Oh yeah. Sport, on the sports, not panel. I did not. How dare you, Scott? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I, th- I think, but I've done so horribly this year. So any, any picks you see from me, you should probably go opposite. Now they're not against the spread. What you're, 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 Oh, gotcha. Four and one picking Raider games. This nice. Four and one. The only game straight I screwed up, up on was, was, Straight up and against the spread. Oh, and the spread. Okay. Got it. So there you go. Nice. All right, my man. I will talk to you uh, on Wednesday when we do the mailbag. And we'll cover on some of the what happens in between now and then. Because I'm, I'm stewing about the, the Garoppolo thing. Because I just, I just don't think, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to get much better. He might improve at certain times. But I just don't think it's, it's going to move this team. Uh, so those of you who want Caleb Williams... I think the Raiders are going to finish in purgatory again, Mo. I think, remember we said seven wins? We've been saying that. I said six, but. You said six. I said seven. So if they're in that leg, they're going to pick what? Ninth, tenth, something like that. One thing I want to say. Not to cut you off, Scott, but one thing I'll say about the whole quarterback situation, right? A a lot of Raider fans want Cleveland's. I understand why. It looks like he's going to be, you know, a great talent when he gets to the NFL. I, I get that. But Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first overall pick in his draft. Josh Allen wasn't the number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts wasn't the number one overall pick. Lamar Jackson wasn't the number one overall pick. And those guys changed the trajectory of their franchises. You could still get a quarterback that changes your future and not have the number one overall pick. It doesn't have to be the first pick. No, and there's, I I believe, I mean, everybody talks about Williams and Drake May, of course, but there's four quarterbacks in this draft to me that that are gone. Now, Williams, I think, is the closest. There's no such thing as a sure thing but he's as close, I think, as people think there is one. But that doesn't always work out either, so you just never know. I mean, the kid is talented and and fun to watch, but we'll see. But there's a lot of football between now and then, so we'll see what the Raiders are able to do. All right, Mo, I will talk to you on Wednesday, my man. Talk to you Wednesday. Mastradamus has earned that name today, picking the Raiders (laughs) to win. You have. You have. You've got it. So you you got to watch Mo. On Bleacher Report, he'll tell you who's going to win. All right, listen, for Murph, for our producer, Mike Robier, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Cobranson. This has been the post-game edition of Silver and Black Today. Raiders 17-13 winners over the Green Bay Packers. We'll be back with you Wednesday, Raider Nation mailbag, and a regular show on Thursday. Until then, have a great night, Raider Nation, and we'll talk to you soon.